let's just review. We're learning Bosilagani, Chaisikala, right? Okay? All right. Give me a summary for chapter one. The Shechina is a relative term, right? And the Shechina that was in Gan Eden was the, strong, the strongest possible. The Shechina that was in Gan Eden was the highest possible uh, term for, uh, or the highest possible entity that could be labeled with the term Shechina. Okay, great, I love it. Uh, summary of chapter 2. Seven generations brought back to Shechina. That was chapter 3. That, but that's good. That's one of the chapters. It left before that. Chapter 2. So chapter 1 was how high of a Shechina it used to be. Chapter 2 is... It, it left the first realm. How low of a realm that Shechina used to be in. It was in the physical world. Right? So that's sort of the highest of the high, lowest of the low. Chapter 3 was... Now say chapter 3. Chapter 3 was seven generations brought the Shechina back and that being the seventh, being the one who's poised by accident of history, so to speak, to do that job, it's not because you're special, but because you're at the right time, right place. Um, And then, as we spoke about at the end of the last class, that seven-generation process or pattern which in the Medrash is talking about Avram through Moshe, the Rebbe connects that to seven generations from the Alter Rebbe to this generation. Chapter 4. After he explains that the main Shechina, the essential Shechina, the highest level of Shechina, was in the physical world, the lowest realm, and then after explaining that Moshe, the seventh generation, was the one who brought the Shechina to this physical world, Eimer, he says, in the Maimer. The previous Rebbe's Maimer says, the main revelation of Shechina was where? In the Beis HaMikdosh, in the Holy Temple. And then in support of that statement, he brings the scriptural proof, where it states, make for me a mikdash, a sanctuary, and I will dwell within it, or within all of you. It doesn't say dwell within it, singular, within them, meaning within each and every individual Jew. Make me a sanctuary, and I will thereby dwell within you, individually, within you. So this is in the previous Rebbe's Maimer. This is also the meaning of what it says. What it says in the verse which is a pasuk in Tehillim, Tzadikim Yeshu Aretz, the righteous will inherit the earth, V'yishkeno lo adaleha, and dwell within it forever. Di Tzadikim Yeshu Aretz, Shu Ganeiden, it means that Tzadikim, the righteous, will inherit the earth, meaning Ganeiden, not the spiritual Ganeiden, but this world, when it's perfected. 
מפני שהם משכינים, היינו ממשיכים בכין השייכן עד מורים וקודש, because they are the ones who give a home to, משכינים, they, they give a home to, or they provide uh, housing for, uh, by drawing down the Shechina, the he who is Shechin Ad Marim Mekadish. Shechin Ad comes from also this word Shechina, but he who dwells forever, most high and most holy. Now, the idea of Shechin Ad, that Hashem dwells forever, it's not explained in the previous of his Mimer. But it's explained in Lukutei Torah, meaning a collection of Mimerim of the Alter, of Alpi Mimer Azayah. It's explained according to the Zayar over there, that this level of godliness, or this way of describing godliness, should become revealed down here in the physical world. And this is the meaning of, I've come into my garden, my bridal canopy. To the place that was his main place initially. The main Shechina used to be in the physical world. The concept of this is, says parenthetically, Why was the highest Shechina specifically in the lowest realm? That, after all, was the whole point of creating worlds. When Hashem started creating worlds, He didn't create the worlds for the sake of the higher worlds, for the spiritual realms. He created the worlds for the sake of having this lowest realm. That Hashem had a taiva, a craving, a desire, an irrational longing. To have for himself, may he be blessed, a dwelling place in the lower realms. So you're going to ask, why was the dwelling place, why was the Shechina dwelling in the lowest realm? Well, because that's why Hashem created the world in the first place. He had a, a desire for a dwelling in the lowest realms. He had a desire for this paradox that the, the realm which houses the revelation, the highest level of revelation of godliness should be the lowest type of realm, meaning a world of concealment. Although every world we mentioned earlier in the first class, every world, every oilam is Molosh and Helem, every world is a concealment. But concealment upon concealment upon concealment, each of those concealments compounds the, the, the previous one. So this is the last, the finest, lowest level. This is where we mentioned before the idea of creator becomes abstract and the idea of creation feels so solid and so empirical. It's taken for granted so much. That's where Hashem wants his highest level of revelation to be at home. V'hine. The Al-Tarebbe explains that the reason, the ultimate goal of Hashem creating these layers, these levels of reality, wasn't for the higher worlds. Because if you think about it, the higher worlds are a descent but it doesn't accomplish anything. It's a descent just, and, and that's it. If godliness goes into the, lower, uh, into the higher realms, godliness descends from unbridled infinity into this somewhat limited structure called creation, 
meaning the higher realms of creation. Then there's a descent, but a descent that accomplishes what? He goes down, but he doesn't accomplish anything. He doesn't meet, he doesn't fulfill, he doesn't gratify his, his, his driving desire. So Hashem didn't create Hishtalshlis, these, these, these worlds, for the sake of the higher worlds. And don't say, well, he just did a descent just because he wanted the descent. No, that doesn't make sense, that there was an inherent value in just having a descent and that's it. I, I went down and, and, and that was it. Now we know creation, meaning making something out of nothing, is only the property of God's essence. Only God's essence can create something out of nothing. That's uniquely godly. Like it says in one of the letters of the fourth section of Tanya, Hashem's existence comes from Himself. And He has no prior cause before Him. He has the unique capacity, only He has the unique capacity to create something from nothing. From not just from ayin, but ayin, the efes, hamuchlet, mamish, absolute nothing, nothing, nothingness. Like Carl Sagan said, you know Carl Sagan? Astronomer and Jew. He said, he used to say a joke. It's a nerdy joke, but it's good. Um, what are the steps for baking an apple pie from scratch? First, create the heavens and the earth. Because if heavens and earth already exist, then you're not really baking it from scratch. Right? Okay. So from the cosmic point of view, from scratch means ex nihilo. Here, you like that? Put a little fancy uh, Latin in there. Yeah? It's good. Philosophical terms. (laughs) So Hashem, and only Hashem, can produce something out of nothingness, meaning had no raw materials to build from. It wasn't just forming one something into another something, but making something out of nothingness. And what that means is creation isn't a revelation. It's not from giluyim, revelation, but rather from essence. When Hashem starts creating, He's not taking a pre-existing revelation and molding it and shaping it. He's actually starting from nothing, which subjectively, from our perspective, we call nothing, but objectively, from the absolute perspective, is his everythingness, or his essence. And from his essence, he's producing somethingness, meaning something that appears to be anything other than his everythingness. And only his everythingness can accomplish that. Since that is so, it's impossible to say that Hashem was creating for the sake of having higher level revelations in the higher worlds. Because even the highest world, Atsilus, is just a revelation. That's a descent 
that does not accomplish anything other than being a descent. Why? Because if you think about it, whatever lights are revealed in Atzilus, before they were, were revealed, when they were concealed, meaning when they were back in their source, they were in a higher state. And now by being revealed, they're at a lower state. So all that happened for the lights of Atzilus, let's say Hashem would start creating and stop, create a spiritual world, the highest spiritual world, and then stop. All that had happened is there's this revelation of light, but the revelation of light just consent, uh, can, can, uh, can, uh, consists of some aspect of godliness being lowered and what, what comes of it. What's the result of that? N- nothing. The lowering itself is all that it accomplishes. Another thing is, because all that is is revelation, Atzilus is revelation, it's that light, it's light, it's, it's, it's different than the physical creation, where physicality appears solid. Physicality has an interesting property to it. The physical world is the only world that, like Hashem, appears to have no source. Hashem appears to have no source because he doesn't have a source. Good, excellent. Physicality appears to have no source because it's so concealed you cannot trace it to its source. What I mean is, if you think about spirituality, spirituality is likened to light. Why is it likened to light? Because with light, if you see a light beam shining, we spoke about this in a previous class, if you see a light beam shining, even if you can't see its source, you know that you can trace it unobstructedly to its source, or you wouldn't be seeing the light beam. Spiritual worlds are like light. They're like that. That's why we call them giluyim, a revelation. So, basically, everything in a spiritual world is traceable to its source. If you see a created being, let's say like a soul or an angel that's in, in one of the higher spiritual worlds, then you could also see or discern how it's a product of its creator. That would be empirical. That would be evident. Only in the physical world does stuff appear to have ontological independence. That ontological independence, it looks like it exists on its own. It doesn't look like the ray of light, that if the light source would be blocked, then instantaneously you would lose the ray of light. It doesn't look like this table could, could flicker out of existence at any moment, even though it could. So th- that's the thing that exists in the physical plane that doesn't exist in the spiritual planes. So what we're saying here is, if all Hashem created were spiritual realms, all He would have is revelation. He wouldn't have real, solid creation. He wouldn't have a real expression of his essence or that mirror image of his essence. But rather, the whole point of creation was to have this physical world. This world that's so low that it appears to exist on its own. Parshas B'Shalach. Like the Mitle Rebbe writes on Parshas B'Shalach, this, the, 
Maimer was delivered Parshas B'Shalach. Be'inyin ha'hafresh bin elam is hal yedim le'elam hazeh. The Mitla Rebbe says, what's the difference between the spiritual worlds and this physical world? The be'elam hazeh nirgash mitziyusei matzmusei. That in this world, it feels like it exists from itself by itself. Like it explains in the, the Hemshech, in the series of my modern from that year, that there's a difference between a nivra and an oir. A nivra means a created being, a created entity, and oir means light, spiritual light. The oir who raya ala moir. Light is evidence of a luminary. You know, like where there's smoke, there's fire. Where there's light, there must be a luminary. Just trace it. You'll find the luminary. If you see the light, trace it until you find the luminary. If you see light, light itself indicates that there's a luminary somewhere. Not so a created physical entity. Not only does the nivra not reveal the bayre, not only is it when you see the created entity, you can't trace it to its creator. But even furthermore, it actually hides its creator because it looks so darn ontologically independent. So physical creations, not only you can't trace them to their, to their creator, but they do their best to conceal the creator. Nobody could be agnostic in a spiritual realm because you would just look at the created beings and trace them to their creator as cause and effect. It would be clear to you. But in the physical world, that's where that detachment between cause and effect actually appears in its, in its ultimate form. That's what makes this the lowest world. Not only do physical entities hide their creator, but they actually look like, and they appear like, and it seems like they, 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 they exist on their own. They exist from themselves. They are autonomous beings. Even though they intellectually, we know that that's not possible. Intellectually, we know that physical beings cannot be ontologically independent. Because then, what would they be? They'd be eternal? I mean, I guess the Greeks said that. Aristotle said that. But if it would be ontologically independent, it just is. It exists without a for- force or a cause behind it, then I guess you're saying the physicality existed forever. I mean, science doesn't even say that. Say there was a beginning. There was an initial point where it came into being. Now, although that's just a hargosha, that's just subjective. Obviously, the absolute objective truth is that the created beings, the physical beings, are totally dependent upon their creator at every moment. But nevertheless, even though that's just the subjective impression they give off, just the fact that it comes off that way, that it appears to be ontologically independent. It actually means because physicality is, is, is the most similar to God's essence. Where does physicality get that chutzpah from? From God. Where does physicality get that appearance that it just exists because it exists? There's only one entity that exists just, you want to hear another philosophical term? Exist a priori existence, a priori having no pre- predecessor, or the, in Chakira we call the kadmain, that Hashem is a kadmain. 
So the fact that Hashem appears to have no predecessors because he has no predecessors. So when the five-year-old says, but mommy, who made Hashem? No one made Hashem. Well, how did he get there? He was always there. That's not only the answer for the five-year-old. That's the answer. But then when you say, well, how did the table get there? It looks like the table is just there. Now, how are you going to say, though, actually, every single, every single millisecond that, that, that Hashem is speaking the table into being, something out of nothing, and if Hashem would stop speaking it into being, it would automatically revert to its nothingness, or better stated, its oneness with the everythingness. That's philosophical. It's really hard to, you know, that's not what we see. So the fact, even though we know it's not true, but the fact that it looks true itself is a, te- a testimony to the fact that where is God's essence reflected? Not in the higher realms, the worlds of light. God's essence is reflected in this lowest realm, in the physical world, this world of physical objects. So the point is, creation, although it entails this whole process that we call hishtalshlis, higher worlds, and then lower and lower and lower and lower, with you know, compounding levels of concealment, although creation entails this whole process, nevertheless, <clears throat> creation was not for the sake of those higher worlds, of those giluyim, of those worlds of revelation. Creation was for the, for the sake of the final stop on the train for the physical world, which is categorically different than all the other realms. So the world wasn't created for the sake of the higher worlds, which are just revelation. The purpose of creation was to produce this realm, the physical realm. Which appears not to be a revelation, but appears to be an essential entity, meaning exists on its own. Ontologically independent. But... By working in this world, by serving Hashem from this world, you know, there are angels and souls and they live in higher worlds where, where the dependence of creation upon creator is evident and apparent and they also serve Hashem. They also serve, they sing their songs, they do whatever they do up there. But by working in this world, ayadek, namely through what? Iskafya vishapcha, subjugation and transformation. That means by working to either to subjugate, that means to put in place, to control ourselves, our egos, or even a higher level, to transform, to sublimate, to actually rechannel the ego and make it an engine for serving God. So through that work, which you can only do if you have that ego, you only can do that if you have... See, angels can't really do a skafia visapcha. An angel has no sense of real ego. You know, it's like when, when Moshe Rabbeinu, the Gemara, in, in Shabbos, there's a sugya there about Matan It starts with the machlekes between Rabbi Yesh and the Chachamim about which date was Matan So one of the things in there, it talk, in the Agadita over there, it talks about when the angels were saying, how can Hashem give his glory to the world, meaning Torah, which existed before the world was created. So the angels kind of thought that Torah is so lofty and sublime that it's supposed to remain this meta-text. In other words, it's not meant for any 
earthly beings to, to be in on it. It just it exists, but it exists in a, only you're only supposed to have it in the spiritual uh, world. And Hashem told Moshe to to argue it out with the angels. And one of the things so Moshe argues with him makes makes a few points, but the the coup de gras, like the the, the death blow in the argument was Moshe says. Do you guys even have a, y- a Yetzirah? And they were like, ah, shucks, no, we don't. All right, case closed. It's so funny because you would hear that and you would think, well, hold on, that's an argument for the angels. The angels are saying, God, don't give this precious thing to those guys. They're going to mess it up. So when Moshe says, you guys don't even have a Yetzirah, exactly, we don't have a Yetzirah. We're not going to mess it up. But it was the exact opposite. The purpose of the Torah was to be given to the physical world to people who can actually choose it. People have free choice. People have the struggle. So the angels, and even the disembodied souls, are pre-embodied or wherever they are in their, in their phases. Um, they can't do a skafi of isapka. They can't do subjugation and transformation of, of, of the ego. Because they don't have an ego. Ego means separate consciousness or consciousness of being separate from God. They don't have a consciousness of being separate from God. So through our work in this lowest realm of, of, of grappling with the ego, this atmos, that's how we, re, we, we reveal God's essence. This is a world of essence. And when we grapple with that part of ourselves that feels like it exists on its own, autonomously, but we channel that, either we subjugate it or we channel it and put it to work for God, that really reveals our power of atzmas, of Hashem's atzmas as it was, it's on loan to us. And for that sake was the world created. Okay. Let's summarize again. I like summary. Chapter 1 was about, in one sentence, give me one sentence of chapter 1. The term Shekhinah is subjective, and the Shekhinah that was in this world was the highest, the highest, highest. Okay, chapter 2 was? Shekhinah was the lowest realm. Lowest realm, meaning? Meaning our physical world. Our physical world, right. doesn't mean planet Earth, but it means the physical realm, right. Okay. Um, I think you know, sometimes people confuse that. They, mean, they think world means planet. World means the entire physical realm, you know, where you have time and space. All right. Chapter three was seven generations, and don't get a big head just because you happen to be the seventh generation. And Moshe was the seventh, and he was the seventh Avram, who was who was the one. Oh, and we didn't mention this before, so I just want to put it in again now. Avram's signature was what was his life all about? What did we say? Hmm. What did we say? He had Mesiris Nevish, but he wasn't even looking for Mesiris Nevish. Spreading monotheism. Spreading monotheism. Getting, a, a, getting the other guy to believe. And if it took Mesiris Nevish, so he'd be Mesiris Nevish, but he wasn't even looking for it. Okay, that was chapter three. And chapter four was about, how are we going to summarize chapter four? We just learned it. So fresh in our minds. You didn't understand it. Okay, I'm going to say back to you your sentence. You said the whole point of this world is for us to overcome our... Right. E- the whole point of I was going to say, and I want to correct what you said. I want to make one amendment, and you just caught it, and you made that amendment. 
you initially said the whole point of this world is to overcome our egos to serve Hashem, and then you changed to say the whole point of all creation, even the heavens and the spiritual realms, is so that us down here in this physical world can overcome our egos to serve Hashem. That is an awesome synopsis of chapter 4. Yes, I'm, I'll sign on to that. Now, needless to say, the idea that the Tzemach Tzedek brings, that even the purpose of Atzilos is for revealing that which is concealed, that that is not the purpose of the world. Because according to that idea or that approach, then certainly the creation of the world was not for the sake of Atzilus. Because then all you have is a descent and, all, and from the descent all that emerges, all that emerges is, is some type of a revelation. But even according to the second approach that the Tzemach Tzedek mentions, if you want to go look up the mimer, the footnote there, we'll send you there. Even according to the second approach, that the Kalim, in Atzilus, there are lights and there are vessels. The Tzemach Tzedek says, you know what, relatively speaking, the vessels that contain the light in Atzilus, those aren't Yiluyim, those are Yashma'ayin. Those are real substantive creations at least relative to Atzilus. But even according to that approach, When Chassidus says that the vessels for the light, the containers in Atzilus, are a type of creation ex nihilo, doesn't mean real creation ex nihilo. It means relative to Atzilus, which is all emanation. Meaning, relative to the light that the containers are containing, the containers are like a real substantive something. But if you like com- compare the containers of Atzilus to physical stuff, no, then that's not substance. That's not creation ex nihilo. Why? Because here's a Kabbalistic piece again. We talked about the Kav in the first chapter. Here's the Rashima. The Rashima is another one of these high levels, way, 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 way up there. But after the, the Cholol or Mokimpani, after the void that the, the initial Tzimtzum created, uh, that bubble of, of potential finitude was created within, within the, the infinite light. So there was a Rashima, there was a, like a residue. Like imagine like it, I heard one time somebody told me there were these boys who they survived the war in Russia. They were starving. It was literally a time of famine. What they would do is they would ju- they were like hobos. They would ride a train across Russia, and then when the train would come to a station um, to refuel, so they knew they had a few minutes, they would jump off the train and they would go to the market. And they would there were guys who would sell yogurt, so they would come with their own cup. You know, it's not like they had like plastic back then. You have to have your own cup. And the boys would scoop up the yogurt in their cup, and then they would say, how much? And then the, the, the sales person would say, however many kopecks it was. 
and they would haggle with him as if, no, that's too much, that's too much. And finally, they would say, oh, our train is leaving. No, your yogurt's too expensive. And they would dump out the whole yogurt because if they would run away with the yogurt, they wouldn't make it to the train. The people would chase them down and beat them. But they would dump the yogurt back in the barrel and say, forget it, we don't want it. Our train's leaving, that's too expensive. And they would run back to the train and they would live by licking the residue of yogurt that was still clinging to the inside of the cup. That's the Rishimo. The Rishimo is, after Hashem emptied out a void within the infinite light, there was still a residue, still a trace of infinity left coating that void. So, at any rate, it's a very, very lofty level. But the source of the Kalim, the containers, is this Rishimo. That's why the kalim, the containers, have a source in concealment. So relative or comparative to the light which the containers are containing, the containers are considered helim, concealment. But they're not real concealment. Like the table is concealment. And the table is concealment because it conceals the fact that it's a, that it's a creation. It looks like it's just there. You can't trace it to its creator. So this is a real creation. But relative, in Atzilus, we use the relative term, we say that the containers of the light up there are like a creation. But they're still not a creation. They're gili. They're, they're, they're a revelation. So compared to the light that the containers contain, they're a halim. But the, the main point is like this. The purpose of creation wasn't for spiritual worlds. The purpose of creation was the work that we do down here in subjugating and transforming the ego. Even though it's true, the work we do down here creates light in Atzilos. What you do down here in serving Hashem, it actually benefits all the worlds, even the highest world. In Atzilus, there's greater light because of what we do down here. So the point is you could think, oh, so the purpose of creation is something that's happening up there. So then why are we still saying that the purpose of creation is only down here? So to answer that, we take something that the, the Rebbe Marash answered. By the way, you notice the Rebbe is going through the Rebbeim again, another cycle of quoting their teachings and applying them in order. I don't know if everyone picked up on that. So this is something the Rebbe Marash explained, the fourth Rebbe. The lights up in Atzilus that we create through our work are like they're sitting in a box like a little chest. Why are they being kept in a little chest up in Atsilas? Because they're not for Atsilas. It's like the bank. The money's kept at the bank, but it's not for the bank. It's just where it's being held. Really, the lights are being held in Atsilas until they can be delivered, until such time as they can be delivered to the, the, the lower world, which is when Mashiach comes. They're not revealed in Atsilas. They're just kept there. So the purpose, so guys, the main point is the purpose of creation is not the higher worlds. It's the physical world. 
וזהו מה שמבר אדמון נשמוס עדן, and that's what the Rebbe Rashav explains. Again, now going to the next, the fifth Rebbe. בעניין מה שאפשר לימה שהכוונה הוא בשביל אלה מסליינים. The Rebbe Rashav explains why we cannot say that the purpose of creation was for spiritual worlds. הויל ולהם ירידה מאוהר פונוב, because in the, the spiritual worlds, there's just a descent. We think of the spiritual worlds as being so high. Relative to the physical world, they are high. But relative to Hashem's essence, they're, they're a descent. Shab says, just the fact that the higher worlds are worlds of revelation, which again, we think of revelation as being like a high and lofty concept, but actually, really, compared to Atmos, compared to the essence of God, the God that just is, revelation is a, is a descent. Out of Shabbos, Friday afternoon, I come into the house, and I smell the brisket. I walk in the front door, I can smell the brisket. And then, I get, so I'm getting a little revelation of brisket. Not brisket yet, I'm not eating it. And then I come into the kitchen, it's an even higher level of revelation. Now, now I'm in Atzilus already. I'm standing next to the oven. That's like Atzilus. I can smell the brisket so close my mouth is watering. And I ask my wife, can I have a piece of the brisket? She says, no. We have guests coming tonight. You'll have the brisket tonight. Eat, eat tonight. So I have a revelation of the brisket. I don't have the actual brisket. Will you ever have the actual brisket? Hmm? Will you ever have the actual yeah. brisket? Yeah. yeah. Wait, so you think that eventually God will completely... Yeah, that's the, that's the point. The point is, what's Mashiach? This is the whole point of the Mimer. is not to experience higher and higher levels of revelation. In other words, getting closer and closer to smelling the brisket. By the way, that's what Nishamas do now when they leave the world after 120 and they get their reward up in the spiritual realms in paradise, Gan Eden, the spiritual Gan Eden. They're smelling brisket. Yeah, that's true. Smelling brisket, not brisket, elakus, no, no, godliness. <laughs> but they're getting a whiff of it. No, up there, up there is, is up there is a subjective experience. Up there is giluyim. It's all revelation. Up there, what? And, and by the way, the revelation. Well, why? Why? Well, let's let's look at it positively for a moment. Because what the souls experience there in their ability to really see a revealed godliness, to see it, to sense it, to feel it, it's very powerful and very, very pleasurable. On the other hand, they don't get it. They don't get it. When we get it down here in this world, we actually have... No, no, no. Even now, we just have zero sense of it. (laughs) So basically right now you have two options. You can be able to actually do a mitzvah, like actually physically do a mitzvah, which is God's essence, but feel nothing of it. And if you think you're feeling it, you're fooling yourself. Or, yeah, or you go to a world where you can't do it, you can't touch it, there's no mitzvahs anymore, there's no essence, it's all revelation, but it's really wonderful, it's powerful. (laughs) But when Mashiach comes, ah, but when Mashiach comes, then all those souls in the highest realms, they're going to come right back down as high as they've gone to higher and higher levels of revelation, as close to eating the brisket as they've gone, they're still just smelling it, they're all going to come back into this physical world to do physical mitzvahs and to experience God through a physical body again. Because then we're going to have both. 
we're going to have the objective and the subjective. We're going to have the essence of the physical experience, but being able to understand and sense and feel that that's just a reflection of God's essence. Instead of like it is now, that our essence makes us feel separate from God's essence. Let's keep going so we can finish off the chapter. Mashiach? Yes, permanent. Yeah. Yeah. So we can have our cake and eat it too. Forever. What we're going to have when Mashiach comes is very solid, very grounded. It's not going to be inspiration. It's not going to be spirituality. It's going to just be real. It's going to be just like we relate to the realness of this table, except we consider its realness, its physicality. We'll, we'll relate to the realness of the table, say, but the realness is... This, the, the divine speech, which is enlivening the table every single second. <coughs> let, 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 I want to finish the chapter here. Okay. We're going to see the divine speech as it, like, like as it enlivens the table. When they saw the sounds, yeah. Right. Yeah. But rather... Rabbi Rashab says the purpose, again, repeating the same uh, uh, concept here, that the, the purpose of creation was for the physical world. That this arose in his blessed will, meaning he likes it, that's just what he likes, to get nachas. When we, down here, grapple with the ego to either subjugate it, Skafia, or transform it, transform dark to light, Sapcha. And like the Mimer, meaning the previous Rebbe's Mimer, Bossi Lagani, that the Rebbe is analyzing at length here, like that Mimer mentions that the purpose of each of our lives is to transform unholy folly or foolishness or irrationality to holy irrationality. There are things that we do because just it's very important. Why is it important? Uh, because it has to be done that way. And they're really not important things, but we're very, very loyal to them. To take that attitude and to rechannel it to being a stickler about doing what Hashem wants. Which could be a simple thing, like, it's time to daven mincha. Oh, but hold on, there's an important call coming in. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not a contest, there's no question here. Oh, but maybe I'll daven a little late. No, this is the way it has to be done. This is the way we do it. Almost like a stubbornness, meaning it's not up for negotiation. Okay. So in the previous Rebbe's Mimer, and now the Rebbe just went through all previous six Rebbeim again, quoting their teachings in order. So the, the Friedrich Rebbe says that our job is to transform our um, silly devotion to things that are unimportant to a, the mirror image of that, which is a supra-rational devotion that cannot be shaken by any argument a devotion to, to, to doing uh, God's will. 
Lafana shamat And that gives Hashem nachas. Why? Because I spoke and my will was done. I told you what I liked and you did it. I made myself vulnerable and I told you what I liked and you went and you did it. And that's the way we give Hashem a dwelling place in this world, by those little battles. Just like a dwelling. When we say a dwelling, it means where the person really lives, where you can be yourself. That the physical realm is going to be the place where Hashem's essence can be at home. In fact, not only will it be the place, it was the place. The idea is that we're not just drawing down godly revelation. Revelation they have in the heavenly realms. That's smelling the brisket. But the essence of God, what God is... And that is the entire purpose for the creation of all those worlds, for that to happen. That Hashem's essence can be at home in this lowest physical realm. And how does it happen? Through our work grappling with our own ego. Through subjugation, transformation. Okay, end of chapter 5.